0: And it just makes me think of that, that we're seeing that a lot, a lot of little trivial arguments. And if you're the parent in that car ride and you hear your kids arguing, you think, what are you arguing about? That that seems like it's nothing at all. But to them, to the kids, it seems like a big thing. But in reality, it's not that big of a deal at all. And And on a lot of cases... There's relationships that are completely broken over little trivial arguments. I just kids that grow up being friends and then something happens and they are willing to separate their friendship based on some little trivial thing. I mean, I, I always say the joke whenever somebody mocks me or something like that, I always say, well, you're not invited to my birthday party because it's kind of a, I'm going to separate from you because you are doing something that makes me unhappy. And we see this going on in the world a lot today. I mean, we had politics, we have COVID, we have the ways to handle COVID, we have just the constant stress of what has been 2020 to us, and we see arguments happening in the world, and the problem is, is that it's not even in the world so much. We see it working its way into the church, that sadly the church is having these arguments even. And it's not a new thing to the church. You look in the American church alone and look at how many different denominations there are. Where we are constantly dividing and we're constantly separating. And the global church has just become all these little denominations. And in some areas, the division is actually what is supposed to happen because some doctrines are going so far astray from what God's word says that, yeah, you separate from that. But in a lot of cases, there's divisions happening over the color that you choose for walls or if you're going to have pews or chairs. Or it's really just like we don't like the way they do that, so we're going to go somewhere else. We don't like this, so we're going to separate. And we're seeing this division happen among God's people. And I believe it breaks God's heart. And so we've been going through this series on flipping the switch. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to change our mind on what it is to be the body of Christ. That it's not just I'm going to church. But instead that it is, I am a part of the church everywhere I go. I am the church. You are the church. We together are the church, not just Sunday morning, not just when we're in this building, but we are the church 24-7. If you place your faith in Christ, you become a part of the church. You become the church. It's not something you do. It's something that you are. And so what we're going to look at today is how we need to make sure that we are keeping the main thing the main thing. Because it's so easy to get distracted with these little inconveniences or little things that we may not like, but they're not really a part of the main thing. And so we're going to be in Romans chapter 15, and we're going to read verse 5 through 7, and then we'll open up with a word of prayer. And so Paul, he closes out his book, and he's got a little bit more to say. And he says in Romans 15, verse 5, he says, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Father God, we just come before you, and again, we're so grateful just for this opportunity to come together. And God, we just pray that as we uh, open up your word, God, as we see what you have to say, God, let it transform our lives. God, I pray that you flip the switches in our minds so that we stop making this be about us and our conveniences and our desires, but God, that we make it be about you. God, may we be your body, but we need your help. And so God, I just pray that as we just dive into your word more, speak to us, convict us, and help us grow in you. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. So how would you describe the gospel? Maybe it seems like a little uh, change of direction from talking about being united to talking about the gospel, but I believe it... Comes together. So, how would you describe the gospel? If somebody were to ask you, What is the gospel? What would you say? Has it impacted your life? Has it impacted your life not just to the point where you say, I believe that Jesus gave his life for me, but has it impacted your life to the point that it changes everything? That it changes how you think, changes how you act, changes how you spend your free time, the things you watch. It literally has transformed your life. Not that it's just a thing of hey, I believe this so that I don't have to go to hell, but instead, it is this is everything that I hold fast to, because that's what the gospel is. Paul tells us in Romans 1.16, he says, "I'm not ashamed of the gospel." For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Did you catch that there? The gospel is the power. It's the message of Jesus Christ. But the gospel is not just salvation. There is literally power in the gospel and it's salvation for all. Up to this point, I believe that what Paul is saying has just now been revolutionary because up to this point, people thought salvation was for Jews. People thought that you had to become a Jew in order to be saved. You look at the the Old Testament and Gentiles were only allowed to come so far and they couldn't enter into the temple. They had to stay out in their Gentile area of worship and then Jews were able to go into the temple. And now Paul is saying that the gospel is the power of God for the salvation for all. And this is where God has redefined relationships based on the gospel. Because of what the gospel is, and the gospel is the fact that yes, Jesus came to live the life that we could not live, to pay the price that we could not pay so that we now can have an eternal life that we don't deserve. And so Jesus came to be the ultimate sacrifice to pay the price that we never could. And so that is, that is what the gospel is, but it also has changed everything. Because now just look at how the gospel has changed our relationship with God. I mean, you just look at um, now we can enter into relationship with God. We don't have to go to a priest. We don't have to go to Jerusalem. We can confidently approach God where we are at. This is Hebrews chapter 4. In verse 14 it says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet he is without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. And so it's because of the gospel that we can confidently go to God... And approach the throne of grace. Hebrews chapter 10 repeats that message saying that we can confidently approach God. We can come before him and say, God, I know you hear me. It is a complete new relationship with God. One that as Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, redefined it now as he is our father who art in heaven. Not the God that is distant, but he is a father who cares for us. And so God, through the gospel, made it possible for all to approach the throne of God because of what Jesus did. So it has changed that relationship. But it also has redefined our relationship with one another. It changes how we view other people. Because when we truly understand the gospel, it changes how I look at each and every person. It changes how we view other people and our attitude towards them. Before we understood the gospel, before we had what Jesus did coming into our lives, it was all about us. We were living in a prideful life. We were living in a life that was, how can I achieve everything that I want to achieve? How can I make myself better? But then when we understand the gospel, that it's not about us. We now have a life of humility. We give up that life of pride and we put on a life of humility. Because the depth of the message of the cross is a message of complete humility. So therefore, we don't seek my own victories. You don't seek your own victories. But instead, we seek victories for the cross. And so it requires us to flip the switch about how the gospel message calls for us to relate to other people. Because now, again, it becomes not about me but about what can I do to promote the gospel and to glorify God by loving other people. Paul tells us this in Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 3. He tells us, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And so we're told right there that we no longer are seeking how to promote ourselves, but instead we are seeking how to promote other people, how to lift them up and push them closer to God. That is what it is to be a part of the family of God, to no longer have it be about me, but about other people for the glory of God. This is what Paul told the Romans, that they are to live in harmony with one another. For the glory of God. And so I believe that when the church is able to live in unity, when we make the gospel the focus of everything, it glorifies God to the rest of the world. I mean, just think about it. What father would not be pleased to see his kids getting along, seeking the benefit of each other, trying to lift one another up? And then if you were an outsider, you looked at how those kids treated each other, and you would think, man, that father has done well. Man, that must bring glory to that dad. Whereas look at the world. When they look into the church, are they seeing us lifting each other up? Are they seeing us coming together, lowering our own pride for the greater good, or instead are they seeing us coming and bickering? Are they seeing us coming and getting hung up on little trivial stuff where we are like the children in the back of the car that are just nipping at each other, and it's like, why are you even arguing? It's whenever the church starts to look to their own interests. That's when division begins to happen. James, he tells us this in James chapter 4, verse 1. He says, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this? That your passions are at war within you? I mean, how many fights truly start because you're worried about the other person, or you're trying to lift up the other person, or you're trying to help the other person out? It's usually fights happen whenever we're all about us when when my desires don't get met and so i get mad because i my pride has been uh hurt paul goes or james goes on to say in james 4 verse 6 he says therefore it says god opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble and so the world is far too concerned with getting their own way and sadly it works its way into the church. It works its way where churches start separating, where people start leaving, because it's all about us. And I, I read it recently, uh, a pastor friend of mine, he made the comment. He said, "When we win all the time, ultimately, we lose." He said he was listening to a radio uh, program, and he said a wife called into a radio host and went on for a good five-minute rampage about how terrible her husband is, how he's not loving, not attentive, etc. When she finally took a breath, the host of the show asked this question, when was the last, last time you let your husband win? Excuse me, she said. He responded, you heard me. Can you tell me the last time you had a disagreement, argument, or simple discussion with your husband, and he walked away the winner? Um, never, she whispered. That's what I thought. You're that person who always wins. Your husband has been married to a woman for 15 years, and he has lost every single day for 15 years. And you're wondering why he is acting emotionless? Wow, she replied. I never thought of that. So in other words, if I win all the time, we lose. And it works its way into the church. That's so true in the church too, that when we enter into this body looking for how we can achieve our desires, we lose. I constantly keep thinking of the JFK quote that comes to mind that says, ask not what your country can do for you, but instead ask what you can do for your country. And we need to ask that same question whenever we come to the body of Christ. Whenever we enter into the body of Christ. Not, alright, what, what can everybody do for me? But instead, alright, how can I help everybody else? Because we're coming into this to be unified. And it all centers around the gospel. That is the thing that unites us. The message of the cross Because that is the message of the gospel, being unified, being unified to God and being unified to one another. I mean, look at the 12 followers of Jesus. They did not have the same things in common, but because of who Jesus is and what Jesus did in their life, they were unified. The gospel is a unifying message. And so I want you to think about it this way. Because this is, again, what my pastor friend said when he was talking about, if I win all the time, ultimately we lose. He ended up even saying, if Jesus had won, we all would have lost. And I I know, hold up for a second, because you might be thinking, well, Jesus did win. Yes, he did. But look at it this way. If Jesus would have won on the cross... If he would have called down the legion of angels and he would have said, you know what? Forget this. I'm coming off of here and I'm wiping them all out. Jesus would have won and we all would have lost. But instead, to a watching crowd, Jesus lost as as it appeared. Jesus hung on that cross. Jesus stayed up there for us And he, what appeared to be lost, to death. And from that, we all know that Jesus ultimately won, and we all won. And so what appeared to be lost ultimately proved to be the greatest victory in the history of the world. Philippians 2, Paul continued on in verse 5. He said, Have this mind among yourselves. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so in doing that, God united the world to him. As John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And so Paul says in Galatians, there's no longer Jew nor Gentile. There's no longer slave nor free, but we are all one under Christ. And so that's because of the work that Jesus did that we all should be unified. Again, the army of Christ should be the strongest army there is. It is the strongest army there is. But the problem is, is that we see it over and over. Shoot the wounded. We see it divide and divide and divide, thinking, I don't need them, I don't need them, when instead what God is doing is calling us all together. And so I believe when we truly grasp what the gospel means, we stop living for our own glory. Yet that maybe we we get offended because pride's going to get in the way, but we lower our pride, we, we humble ourselves, And we seek reconciliation to be united so that God can be glorified through it all. Again, Romans chapter 15, verse 5 through 7, it says, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. I mean, think about it right there. It says, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Who, as we're told in Romans chapter 5, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still walking in our trespasses, he gave his life for us. That is how Christ welcomed us. He said, I want to be united with you. I care about you so much that I'm willing to give everything so that you can come into relationship with me. I'm willing to humble myself. And he says, now for his body to do the same thing, that we are to humble ourselves, that we are to die to ourselves daily, take up our crosses and follow him. So that he can be glorified. So this is what we are going to hold on to. This is what as the body of Christ at Center Christian Church is going to hold on to. We are going to die to ourselves daily and lift up the name of Jesus. We're going to have everything be gospel centered. We're going to take everything back to the gospel because the gospel is what is going to unite us. I mean, I want to encourage you right now. Look around. Look at everybody in this room with you. And maybe you're at home. Look at people at home with you too. And just think about everybody here is claiming to know Jesus. I mean, you might be seeing some people who you have nothing in common with. Who you're thinking, I'm ready to go play golf with my buddies or I'm ready to go uh, be with people who I have common interests with. You have more in common with the people in this room who believe in Jesus than you do with your identical twin who does not have Jesus. You have more in common because the gospel has united you. That is where the saying, blood is thicker than water. The blood of Jesus draws us so much closer than anything else. It is, this is a family being united together in Christ. And so we are going to have everything flow through the gospel because we believe. That through the gospel, lives are changed. We believe that through the gospel, people are connected to Jesus. And we believe that through the gospel, God is glorified. Because as Paul said in Romans 1.16, this is what we're going to hold on to. We are not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. So that's what we're going to hold on to, that God gave his life so that we all, everybody from different backgrounds, from different past people who have been committed to um, pornography, people who have been enslaved to addictions, people who have been enslaved to a religious viewpoint, thinking they're right, more righteous than everybody else, that everybody can come to the cross of Jesus because of what he did. So we're going to hold to that. And we we always have to close with offering an opportunity for people to come and receive the gospel of Jesus. Because it's there for the taking. He's given it for you. He said, this is my body. I offered it for you. I shed my blood for you so that you can come and find relationship with me. But he says, you have to die to yourself. You have to die to your pride. You have to die to your sins. You have to die to your life so that you can be raised to him. And then he says in John ten ten, I came to give you life and life abundantly. So if you're here today or you're hearing my voice and you're seeking that abundant life, Kurt's going to lead us in a song. And I encourage you as an elder is going to be up front to come forward and they will talk with you and they will pray with you and they will walk with you through taking these first steps of a lifetime of steps of following Jesus. And so if you have a decision to make, please don't hesitate, but take those steps to come forward and give your life to Christ as we all just start to be united In the work of what Jesus is doing as we allow him to flip the switches in our minds. Father God, we thank you again that you gave it all. God, you paid the price for us so that we can be in relationship with you. And God, I just pray if there be anybody who is hearing my voice who has not given their life over to you. And God, maybe they're even saying I believe in the gospel. But God, it is not that life changing belief. God, work in their hearts, work in my heart so that I continue to submit to your word more and more every day so that we all submit to your word. God, help us die to our pride. Help us die to our own desires so that you can be glorified. Help us as the, your body to be united. Help us to be your body in everything that you are calling us to be. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.